If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we are finishing the book of Galatians today. I am so grateful for the Bible. I'm grateful for this message that we get to have because things are not what they seem. That's been evident as we went gone. Our audio cut out for the sermon introduction this week. The introduction was about our efforts to climb the ladder to God is called the flesh. And realizing and receiving that the spirit says God comes to us, the spirit to us is living by the spirit. This means Paul grabs the pen and then begins to write his final paragraph to push home that it is all God who does the new creation. We'll pick it up now in the sermon. says Paul. They want to look good in themselves. That's this, verse 12, right? They want to make a good showing in the flesh. And what it leads to is a return to the law. So this is the logic. We've hit this, but Paul is making sure you see it. Jesus saved us, didn't he? Oh, he did. So what we need to do, these people wanting to make a good showing in the flesh are saying, what we need to do is take the next steps. We need to give God glory by doing what he told people through time to do. Yeah, emphasize a little ring. Ding-a-ling. Oh. That leads to the law. That leads to circumcision to be part of the covenant community. That leads to the requirements that you need to do in order to please and keep under God. Let me give you an example of how it plays out today. So, well, no one's telling me to be circumcised. Yeah, it's not about the cutting off a piece of your flesh. It's about the becoming, the doing. I was at a parenting conference. I've shared this before. I was at a, a parenting conference. It was a well-known author, his pastor, he showed up, and he, what he did was he put up pictures of his beautiful family. They were beautiful. And he said, you know what? I have been through parenting, he said, and, and I applied the biblical principles, and, and therefore my children are amazing. They all know Jesus. They're all serving him, two on the mission field and one here, and he started going through why he was amazing because he had followed the principles of doing in the Bible. His prayers, his discipline, his strength of character, and he laid that on the people in the room. If you will do these things, then your children will turn out how you want them to. You need to make the choices. You need to get the good results. You don't want to be grouped with all the failures. You don't want to be grouped with those barely making it. You, The ones who kind of cry out Jesus but don't seem to get any better. You don't want to be with the weirdos. You want to be with those who are advancing and improving and strong. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm saying there's a pull to that. Maybe he's got something. Maybe he's got the secret sauce. Maybe he's got the 12 steps. Maybe he's got the, the rules. Maybe he's got the things that are biblical principles. You say, hey, hey, these are shoe leather principles. If you will do them, you will get the things that, that, that show righteousness in your flesh. Right? Paul says it. He says that's boasting in the flesh. 
It pulls you and I even now, right? And, and, and he says that for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In, in Paul's day, it was circumcision in order to belong to the community of the redeemed. In our day, it's conformity. Conformity to a standard, a set of rules by which we climb to God and therefore he blesses us. We can compare how we're doing. We can show how far we've come. We can boast in ourselves and what we've accomplished for God. With his help, of course, all glory to him. You ever heard that humble brag? Look how awesome I am. All glory to God. Okay. If it was real, all glory to God, why are you talking to me? So this is... The issue isn't, you know, that... The issue Paul says is that you lay burdens and you actually don't do them. The person presenting how great they are is is also a sinner. Sin stinks. And they have laid that on their kids for sure. I mean, if you really want, please don't do it. And you can find my kids say, well, where's dad messed up? They probably have a long list. The issue isn't that the law isn't helpful here on earth or that it's not good to follow for the functioning of society or for highlighting you don't keep it very well for that, sure. But that that's all for the flesh, right? It is for the flesh. It is to limit you. It is to show you that you're not who you should be in your flesh. It is to drive you somewhere else for your hope. The world runs on law and it should run on law, but is our hope there? That's the question, right? Paul says it doesn't work. Not just here, he, he, he's, he's writing, the motives are wrong, the inside is wrong. But, but he's also just come off saying it doesn't lead where you think it does, remember? Chapter 5 of the end said, hey, all these desires to shape yourself and to make yourself strong and to make yourself look good, it all leads, actually, you don't want it to, but, but actually the works of that flesh are all these horrible things. You list them out and I want to argue but it's the word of God. <laughs> the desire for the flesh to improve leads to the works of the flesh, and those are terrible things. Okay, so you see, somebody's putting on you, sometimes from a pulpit, sometimes from up here. The name of God, that this is where life is, in your engaged will to advance and improve by your discipline and your focus and your, your desire to improve yourself. He says it leads to envy and it leads to pride and it leads to judging and it leads to despair, all sorts of problems. You don't realize the effect. You think you're doing great, urging people to climb a ladder to improve themselves, that that's what makes God happy, that that's what honors him. In the case of this speaker... I'll give you the example, right? So in case of this speaker, he gave this message and he put it on the people and then they went home. So I'm in the parking lot talking to a parent family. They're in tears. Why? Because their adult kids are lost. They just feel guilt and shame. What did we do to our kids? There's no hope in that. There's just the idea of it's your fault. They weren't good enough. They didn't do what was right. This horrible burden that they didn't want to carry. But they were having to say that's the fruit of the speaker saying what you need to do is buff your flesh and are you good enough and no avenue to actually say, you know who makes you clean? 
You know who actually has your kids. You know who holds your story. You know what the pathway of life is. It is not in how much you pray. It is in the hands of a God who came down. His hands for you and me. Life is not about improving the flesh. Life is about the cross, and it's offensive to the flesh. Not building up our flesh. That is why Paul goes to the offense of the cross. There would be no offense if the idea was, if you believe that Jesus really came, yes, and you believe he was a great example for the rules of God, yes, and therefore he has you do them better than ever before. Buddhists aren't sad with that. Hindus are not sad with that. The world is not sad with that. Be a good person. is Nobody's offended by that. The offense is there's an entirely different way to be. That's radical. That's new. Far be it for me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We have something to boast in. It's not ourselves. It's not our health. It's not our strength. It's not our moral improvement. It's not our sin avoidance. You name it, we boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says, right? He's writing it with big letters. That's how I've been rescued. That's how I've been crucified to the world. This is a radical, strong statement. You actually can't put, I mean, it's so radical. We just kind of say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we keep going because we believe Jesus died on the cross. The world has been crucified to you. I love the world. I continue to operate in the world. I work. I try and do a good job. I have friends. I live in the world. I have strong opinions about how things should be run here. No, we believe this offensive thing. Jesus paid for our sin and it worked. I'm entirely and completely saved and forgiven and righteous and holy and, 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 and blameless and alive. Only by what Jesus Christ has done. I'm trusting that event, that person. This is our faith, right? This is what it means. Not me. I'm not trusting me. I'm not trusting you. I'm trusting Jesus. Why is this offensive? Because all responsibility is off of me. All of the burdens that you want to put on me slide off. All the value systems I put on you are wrong. My desire to show I got the A. Oh, that's deep in me. It's a dead end. Jesus values the prostitute, the leper, the turncoat. You know, I'm willing to fake it. I'm willing to say, you know, well, I also, I'm the leper. But when I'm with an actual moral leper... I head for the hills. I don't want to be around that person. (laughs) I don't want to be around an envious, prideful, horrible person. But then I look in the mirror. 
Oh, my goodness. So I slap on a mask because I feel like it's about me. It's about me showing me. It's about me figuring out me. It's about me actually like, like, like trying to conform. This is the conformity piece, right? And I haven't heard that, that. So I act like a few push-ups makes me into a bodybuilder. Here's the thing. God is at work. He creates what he wants. And he loves you. He is a great and amazing treasure and he suffered and died at the hands of the world and it looks like he is nothing but he is everything. And primarily what this means for your life is that you don't trust yourself. You aren't trying to prove anything. You aren't trying to show your amazing obedience like because you can't get away from how it reflects on you. You're just trusting what Jesus Christ has done. Well, what has he done? Well, he died. Sure. But that's not where Paul goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we trust in, in the, the, the crucifixion, the crucifying of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. But what it means for us, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Well, that's remarkable. Why? Because he doesn't actually say that circumcision is horrible here. He just says it doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter either. Now, you're looking in the wrong place, he says. You're starting to look back on yourself. You're saying, hey, to maintain relationship with God, it's about how I'm doing and all of these books that are written, all these Christian life, all of these, these, these ways that you're going to advance. They're all barking up the wrong ladder. I know that's a mixed metaphor. The ladder's a tree. She's made out of wood and the dog is bark. I don't know. You get the point? It's the wrong spot. This is the shocking effect of the cross. What is it? A new creation. That's where our hope is. We so often dumb it down. The message kind of becomes Jesus did die for you. So come start on the pathway of discipleship, learning the laws of what God expects of you. And thus we firmly insert ourselves in the equation. Like, you know, you don't have power, but now you have power to improve yourself. Like here, plug it in like a plug. And now what God's really doing is he's making you shine. No, what God is really doing is he is creating something new. There's this huge divide, old and new. What Jesus did was die for us while we were sinners. He loves us as we are, and he sends the Spirit to testify. He makes all things new. This is radical. The new creation means there's an old creation, right? There are old wineskins and new. There is an old covenant and a new. The new covenant is not the old covenant rebranded. We'll just update it with new graphics. No. They're not the same. What we have is simply trusting Christ. And what that is, is freedom from ourselves in the flesh. Our self-regard. Our self-righteousness. The only one who can make a new creation, you know this, right? The only one who can make a new creation is who? Hint, not you. You cannot make yourself new. 
God doesn't use you. He doesn't shine you. He doesn't buff you up. He doesn't strengthen you. He makes you new. This is a huge Bible image. You're born again in John 3. This whole thing he does with this Pharisee is like, you realize you've got to be born again. The Holy Spirit takes you, born again person, and blows you wherever he wants and uses you however he wants. Second Corinthians, we read it here, right? It, it's amazing. Romans, here in Galatians, in Revelation, he is making all things new. He is making all things new. You don't live anymore. Christ lives in you. You don't accomplish newness. That's really good news, you know, it really is. But it's also really offensive news because I want to show that I am different, that I am better, stronger, and I want to do it because I proved myself faithful. Uh, not about your faithfulness, buddy about the faithfulness of our Savior. We trust Him. This is huge. This is huge. The only proving is really, do you trust this Jesus? Have you received this great news that all of your striving and worry and judging and hiding don't matter? That all of your precious buffing and spiritual whippings and ethical applications and moral living don't matter for your relationship with God. Yes, they'll have consequences in the world. The world's under all this stuff. I get it. But all that counts is the new creation. That's what Paul says. I mean, this is what we read earlier, right? If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I get it, the way we try and capture this sometimes. Boy, that old man, he's he's been crucified but he, and drowned in the depths of God, but he's a really good swimmer. He keeps trying. Okay. The new creation means everything. This is Galatians. So, so there's a rule then by which we live. It's the rule of the new creation. That's how Paul ends his letter. Here it is. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. See, this is the critical in life-giving peace. We've been made new, not a return to the law, not a return to the flesh. We are made new is not you made now so you can go accomplish awesome things. New is totally dependent on Jesus because he makes what he wants. The Spirit moves you where He wills. He is able and, and does create desires and fruit and action and story. Your life is a story. It has a writer of the story. And our trust is that our God who became man and died for you and me and promises that He's got us and we will live by Him forever. He's got your story. Right, This new is totally dependent on Jesus as he makes what he wants. The spirit moves you where he wills. There's this, that there's this promise that we're going to have an eternity with him, a sin-free eternity, by the way, that I do not experience right now. I live in this world. What should you be doing as the new creation? People want to poke in with that, right? Well, glad you asked, says the flesh. <laughs> says our religion. 
You should be evangelizing and equipping and serving and loving and improving. And then they use the question to pull you away from the new creation and towards the old creation again. They act like they're not new. They're just improving. They have to shape the old into the new. And if you say Jesus died for you, he did it and it's finished and done. Well, I mean, not really. Because you've got to get out there and obey. Or you're not really his, you see. No, no, no. The new creation means you do what a new creation does. And it's not a caterpillar trying to get enough food in his mouth so eventually it'll change into a butterfly. It's a caterpillar who has been promised that they are butterfly, being a butterfly. It's trusting that God makes you a butterfly by his promise, which is this word. You can't see this. You can only trust it because God is at work, not you. And so so if that's you and you struggle and you're looked down upon and you're looked on with suspicion because you talk about freedom and astonishment and grace and wonder, Paul says, peace and mercy be upon you. Peace, this right relationship with God, mercy, favor from God, be because that's what you actually have in Christ, him for you. The rule is that nothing matters but the new creation. The rule is not that those who have given their lives completely to Jesus will be better. The rule isn't those who have proved themselves that they are gods. Let them have peace and mercy. The rule is that nothing matters but the new creation that is accomplished by the cross of Christ, not by you. Full stop. Stop the cross. We Gentiles live by this rule, says Paul. And anybody in Israel, the Jew who lives by this rule, the Israel of God, all of these people, he will argue, well, is it two people or one? And and can mean even, and, and they're really one group. Yeah, they're one group. It's anyone who lives by the rule of the cross. Don't think for a second this isn't co-opted by people who say, yes, you know, you were selfish. You were focused on yourself. You were doing things for you. You were not giving. You were, you were, you were taking. You, you were not who you should be. But now you know Jesus. Now you love other people better. And you are about giving. And you are about serving. And you are these things. And that's what you're aimed for. That's what the cross does. No, 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 no. That's called a theology of glory. That's, there is some evil and wrong and you're a sinner amen and then you get to know jesus and now you're working on not being a sinner anymore it leads to paul says terribleness because you haven't got rid of your judgmentalism you haven't got rid of your self-righteousness you haven't got rid of your consideration of you instead there's a third way the way and the way is jesus christ has done it for you all of it and says, I've got you. I'm making you who I want you to be. I've, I'm, I'm in it. But the reality that we're living in is we are clean in Christ. We are blameless. We are holy. We are righteous. That's the word for justified. We are these things. Why am I these things? Because Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. Therefore, I'm a new creation. This is the rule we live by. And Paul says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. He, he's expecting trouble. He, he, he's getting trouble because he's saying this kind of stuff. And it's shocking and offensive. 
says, don't give me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He makes this appeal to say, you know what? I think what he's talking about is the beatings that he's gotten for Jesus. But he's already established that he's an apostle because Jesus met with him and talked to him. Because he'd preached Christ alone, he pointed to Jesus who was God and come down and died and rose for us. This amazing, miraculous, full stop gift of Christ. And this is grace. Oh, that we might take it in because he ends. And he, no, where am I? Where's, did I not get the end? Come back. Oh, you got to get verse 18. Somehow it dropped. I'll tell you this. You've got to have it. The grace this is the last line of the letter. The grace, you got to go to your own Bibles. There's a reason to bring your Bibles to church. It's not just on the screen. Sometimes the pastor messes up. Verse 18 says this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, sisters, amen. The last word is not filler. You do need it. It shouldn't be dropped off. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one crucified for you, the one who adores you, the great shepherd of the sheep, the one who intercedes for you every single moment, his grace be with your spirit. It means his undeserved, incredible love for you right now. Not when, not when you've controlled the flesh, not when you've been a good kid, but now, on your worst day. We do not sit on the couch. Oh, no, because I am astonished that this is true. And the Holy Spirit speaks it to me and to you. This comforter that we have, that it is finished, that Jesus did it. And I go, wow, I can't believe it. It's so amazing. And my life, my perspective starts to change as I see you holy and blameless and alive. And I see me this way because of Jesus. And I start having these, wow, it's really fun to do these things, to love each other or to do. But they're not measurements ever. They can't be. It is God who is making things new, never me. That's what he says in Revelation. He who's seated on the throne, this is Revelation 21. He says, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. It's about Jesus. There is a treasure in the field. And for the love of it, Jesus died. That treasures you. There is a treasure. There is. It's worth anything we could ever pay. And we drop ourselves to have it. And it's Jesus. He is God. His love is free and unconditional. It is yours forever. There is this great divide as we close. We are tempted to try and pull them together. That's what so many churches are about. Let's pull things together. Let's mix them together. We called it gospel a couple weeks ago. It's, it's the idea that God is making all things new with my support and work and help. No way. Paul says to you today, he grabs his pen to write it. Never forget, what matters is not doing or not doing. What matters is the new creation. What Jesus has done.
You cannot depend on your flesh to maintain a relationship with God. You only have to trust in Jesus. You can't think what you're going to do is to make you progressively stronger and better through your disciplined life to get the results he wants by making you a better you. That will work in the world and you will be exalted on this earth. What a a man of integrity he was. But God works through the broken. Those who trust they are new by the forgiveness of Christ for them. We die. We die to ourselves. And he promises life in the midst of it. This is the way. There's great freedom in trusting he has you. So make the leap. Trust your Savior. He's got you. He's done it. It's finished. He will use you. You will have fruit. It's going to happen. Do what you are. Trust this amazing God. That's Galatians. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. We can't even really understand it. Oh, the depth and the width and the height of your love for us. Help us to glimpse it by your spirit, the depth of it. Lord, may it change who we are. May we lean into you. And Lord, the precious saints gathered in this room, Lord, would you help us to be salt and light in proclaiming the goodness, the alien goodness of you for us. We're so grateful. Lord, please protect us from ourselves wanting to be strong and big and high when you are higher than we could ever imagine and you're for us. In your special, precious name, amen.